our day. And I believe that God wants to touch it. I believe God wants to bring some answers to it. Ephesians 5, 21. I want to talk to the ladies here today and by radio. And in talking to the women, I'm going to talk to the men again some. How many of you can admit that we need the Lord in our homes? If you take away the home, you take away the nation. If you take away the nation, you take away freedom. You take away the home, you take away the church. A strong church is comprised of strong homes. That's why the home is under such attack. So let's read Ephesians 5, verse 21. All successful marriage begins with verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. So there's that word, submitting. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now let's move on. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Not you, husband, the Lord. Amen. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, to help with these verses, let me just read them quickly out of the Message Bible. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the key to all successful submission. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing her. Not by dominating, but by cherishing. Leadership out of love, not coercion. Leadership from love, not fear. So just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, how many of you have submitted to Jesus so far at least once or twice today? Some of you woke up and said, oh, I think I'm going to stay home. It's Memorial Day. And Christ said, go to church. And here you are. All right. So we all, as Christ's body, submit to him regularly. So just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, Wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Father, we thank you for your word today. We need healing, Lord, in our homes. We need healing in our marriages. And, Lord, that healing will come from wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. For, Lord, you have told us that it's by those three things that a house is built. So, Lord, help us to build our houses by the wisdom of God, the knowledge of the Lord, and by understanding how to apply those two things to our private lives. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's going to be good today. Perk up and listen. The role of women, the role of women in our culture has changed dramatically in recent years, really stunningly, in the last 30 to 40 years. For instance, the statistics for unwed mothers have gone from 5% in the 60s to over 30% in recent times. And the role of the women 
in women's magazines has also shifted hugely. If you look at the, the women in good housekeeping of 50 years ago, you'll discover that she knew how to set a table properly, entertain gracefully, mother warmly, worship piously, volunteer readily, clean proficiently, and be grateful. Uh-oh, watch out. I'm about to sin with my tongue, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. And be grateful to her husband for bringing home enough money so she could live comfortably. Now, what I had to do in the first service, we had to, we had to edit out all the applause and the screaming and the yelling. And so I appreciate you all being a little bit different. Not only that, but she was supported, and this is very important, she was supported by a network of stable institutions, including extended families, quality schools, established neighborhoods, big Sunday schools, and active church organizations. She had a huge support structure. But I've got news for you today, and it's probably not news to most of you. June Cleaver is gone. So are Donna Reed, Laura Petrie, and the other famous television housewives from the 60s. They're gone. It all changed with the rise of the feminist movement. When the feminist movement, and hear me carefully on this, because the feminist movement has largely been a damaging thing in our country. When the feminist movement surfaced in the 60s, women did benefit in a few ways. Let me give you a for instance. If they were working outside the home, the feminist movement shined a spotlight on the substandard pay level of women compared to men. That's true. But that is not what the feminist movement was truly about. It was not about going to bat for women to get them equal pay with men. That is not what it was about. The equal pay issue was only the Trojan horse the feminist movement rode into America. Kate O'Bairn, the Washington editor of National Review magazine, who's also served as a panelist on CNN's Capital Gang, has recently published a book called, get ready, it's a long title, Women Who Make the World Worse and How Their Radical Feminist Assault is Ruining Our Schools, Families, Military, and Sports. Written by a woman. Let me give you the title again. Women Who Make the World Worse and How Their Radical Feminist Assault is Ruining Our Schools, Families, Military, and Sports. O'Baron says the modern women's movement flies under this false flag with its champions claiming, oh, we only believe in equal pay for equal work. We never denigrated men and marriage and we don't support quotas. However, the author insists none of that is true. According to this conservative writer, far too many Americans think of feminism as a spent force done and over with, or as a movement that died with the Equal Rights Amendment 30 years ago. It sounds, she says, so 70s to talk about feminism. And yet, that's not true. Destructive feminist premises have enormous influences in our schools, universities, military, our Congress, and in our culture right now. And too few people realize it. 
Feminism is not about promoting equality of rights and responsibilities. That is not what it's about. Instead, radical feminism foments gender discord and marital breakdown. In many ways, women have become more burdened since the onset of the feminist movement. For instance, nearly one-third of the households in America, and this blew me away, but nearly one-third of the households in America today are one-parent households. I'm not talking about divorced. I'm talking about one-third are one-parent households. And 95% of the one-third are headed by women. In the past, many women had to keep the house clean, look good, and make sure that the children got to piano lessons on time. Now, she's got to run the household, work while going to school, struggle with the public educational system. And, says the author, if she's divorced and wants to get married again, she has to look good as well. So at nights, she hits the curves spa. However, things have changed. I mean, really changed. And what constitutes being a successful woman today? It is not what it used to be. If you're going to be considered successful today, it is not what it used to be. One commentator writes, from what I can see, to be a successful woman, you've got to have the brains of a computer expert, the endurance of a marathon runner, the character of a Mother Teresa, the skills of an accountant, and the talent of an Ivy League debater so that you can deal with your teenage children and win the argument. How many of you know that's true? If there was ever a group that needed spiritual strength and nourishment, a word from God, wisdom from God, knowledge and understanding from God, help from God, it's today's woman. I'm happy to tell you today that the Bible speaks directly to women on many levels. And I want to focus particularly on the role of Christian wives today because I got to balance out last week when I talked to the husbands. I promised them I would talk to the wives today. But in talking to the wives, this is going to be addressing women in general. And some of you men, all of you men ought to be spoken to as well because I got to bring you in again too. First of all, Paul gives us, we got to catch this, the crucial ingredient to any successful marriage. Please hear me on this. Ephesians 5:21. Submit to one another, to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm doing a wedding today at 3 o'clock. And I'm going to look those two people in the eyeball. And I'm going to tie the knot. And, and they're set for life. It's over with. I tell them there's no out. This is it. And I give the guy the chance to flee before we ever walk out. And here's what I'm going to tell them. Marriage is made out of two things. Two good forgivers, two good forgivers, two good forgivers, and two good submitters. It is not just the woman submitting to the man, but the man, and I'm going to show you this in a moment, submitting also to the, to the woman. Because the Bible says submitting to one another. If you've got a rebellious streak, if you don't like submission, and you find it very hard to say, I'm sorry, can I save you a lot of tears and a lot of heartache? Don't ever get married. Marriage is the way to become like Jesus at warp speed. You want to really be like Jesus? Go ahead, everybody. That's good. If you're looking up and saying, oh, God, I want to be like Jesus, he may say to you, oh, well, then get married. 
Because you will get like Jesus at warp speed because you've got to humble yourself. You've got to be willing to say you're sorry. I have never understood that stupid idiotic saying that came out of that 60s movie, Love Story, that said love means never having to say you're sorry. I'll guarantee you if that's your motto, your marriage is doomed. Love means having to say you're sorry over and over and over again and being willing to do it. Submitting to one another out of reverence, out of reverence for Christ. This is the key to submission. You will never be a good submitter unless you get it in your noggin that to submit to a person on earth is submitting to the Word of God and not just to them. Because here's what we do with submission. We say, well, if I'm going to be submitted, then that person needs to be almost perfect. Then I'll submit. But no, submission is learned by learning to submit to the Word of God. When a wife submits to her husband, unless it is abusive or wrong, then she is submitting to the Word of God, to Christ in the Word of God. When a man submits, he is submitting to Christ in the Word of God. If you don't put that third element, that third dimension into submission, you will never break through and you will never be able to be a good submitter. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So every time we submit to one another, we're saying, Jesus, I reverence you. And because I reverence you, this is why I'm submitting. The attitude of all Christians is to be submissive to one another. That spirit of submission has got to be involved in every marriage. Now, how in the world does the principle of mutual submission play itself out in marriage? How does it play itself out? The way I see it, let me give you some examples. I have to deal with things that Kathy doesn't. I sometimes have to come up with answers when she can't. I'm responsible for things she's not. Many times she's very happy, more than happy, to pass the proverbial buck. I believe this is a a headship issue, Jeff. You handle it. And I want to say something about Kathy here today. She's gone on this one, but she was here on the first one. I've been married to Kathy 28 years, and I'm going to tell you, I have never known Kathy in 28 years to do a dishonest thing. I've never seen a crack in the wall of her integrity. This church is so blessed to have that woman as the first lady of this church. She is a wonderful, wonderful woman. She loves the Lord with all of her heart. I've seen her under tremendous pressure seek God anyway. I've never known her to deviate. I lean on the strength that she's got in so many ways. And I so appreciate her. And I know that you do too. But I just wanted to say that because what I've got in my own life is someone who really understands what I'm sharing with you today. She really gets it. She would say the same about me. She would say... She really doesn't want to study her brains out her ears or to have the responsibility of feeding God's flock with two or three different messages each week. She's very happy to say, Jeff, that's your deal. And she submits to that being my calling, and I submit to what her calling is. When it comes to family issues, we're learning to defer to each other, submit to each other. Because invariably, I don't know how it is in your home, but invariably, when we differ, it has to do with the children. Now, with you, it might be with money or something else. But with us, it's the children. And we have learned that if the voice level rises, you go for a walk. 
You just say, you know what? I'll be back in a little while. And you go for a walk. Because as the voice level rises, the decibel level rises, your chances of working it out diminish. So you just say, you know what? We don't need to uh, argue about this. Let's just go for a walk and pray. Because you can always know when there is a difference between the two of you, the answer is found in the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding of Jesus Christ that he will dispense to your marriage if you will both seek him and say, Lord, what is the answer here? God will give you an answer of peace. So that even with things you you differ about, you can learn to submit to one another. Well, you're right about this much of it, and, and well, you're right about this much of it. So let's just come together here and compromise on this thing and walk in peace. I've learned to listen to her gut feelings about things. Her female instincts are oftentimes right on. And this is where, guys, if you have any wisdom, you will learn to listen to the gut instincts of your woman. Because they have antenna built in by God 30 feet high. And they see things you don't see. They feel some things you don't feel. They sense some things you don't sense. And I've learned that wisdom says, hey, when Kathy says to me, have you this or have you that or you better be careful with this or that, I've learned, submit. (laughs) Submit. At least pray about what she said because, guys, God gave you your wife as a protection to you. You're just moving straight on looking at the big picture, but she sees the smaller things. She sees the details. And if she says, I've got a gut feeling about this, we better slow down. We better be careful. We better this or that or the other. Wisdom says submit to one another as submitted to Christ. Well, Pastor Jeff, I'm the head of the home. That means I'm always right. No, because you're the head of the home doesn't mean you're always right. It means you're right some of the time. I'm going to tell you what it means when it says you're the head of the home. I've learned to listen to Kathy's gut feeling. She's better than me at dealing patiently with some things. When it comes to dealing with people, I like to give them to Kathy when it's a deal with patience. My reaction to a lot of people is, well, just admit it and quit it. Turn or burn. (laughs) Kathy says, now let's. Just talk this out. Let's move along. Let's just kind of, you know, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're feeling. My kids will call up and they'll say, well, we're this and we're that. My response is, you're doing what? Turn or burn. Kathy said, give me that phone. And she'll talk to them and she'll talk them through it and she'll be patient and she'll be more understanding. That's why when they're in trouble, they call her first. Are y'all with me today? I've learned to recognize her strengths and defer to her judgment in certain areas. Beth Moore writes these words. This spirit of praying things through until we can come to consensus on important issues is the essence of mutual respect and the opposite of lording it over one another. A marriage is not where you lord it over one another. It is where the man leads by love, leads by cherishing, not by coercion. And any normal woman who sees that and sees herself being loved in this way has no problem at all submitting to it. Even Beth, I was reading something that she wrote. She said, me and my husband, we've had major issues, but we've learned to work it out. In Scripture, we notice that Paul's primary directive to women dealt with submission. While his primary directive to men dealt with love. Now, why would that be? He tells men, men, husbands, love your wives. He tells the woman, 
Lady, wife, submit to your husband. He was targeting the areas most likely to be our weaknesses. Before we learn what submission means for Christian wives, let me tell you what submission does not mean. Submission does not mean that women are under the authority of men in general. It does not mean women are under the authority of men in general. Listen to the King James Version. It says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Ladies, wives asked to submit to anyone else's husband are being asked wrong. The only husband you need to submit to is your own. And so say with me, that's enough. Praise God. And so, amen. That word submission has got a very bad reputation in our day. I've noticed that when I do weddings and I say the word submit, depending on the spiritual level of the people that I'm marrying, and especially those who are attending the wedding, when I say submit, you would think I threw a water balloon into the audience. It's gotten a bad name because it's been misunderstood. And can I go ahead and say it's been skewed and warped by the mass media who have taken several Bible words and distorted the real meaning of them. Submission is one of them. Many women assume the Bible teaches that they are inferior and subject to men. It is not true. Paul is talking about marriage as a matter between each husband and wife. He never says that the woman is not equal to the man. As a matter of fact, at the foot of the cross, the Bible teaches that men and women are totally and completely equal. Do you know that Jesus raised the level of women in the first century culture from then until now? It was Jesus that really headed up the original women's liberation movement? Jesus gave honor and respect to women on a level that the religious leaders in his day weren't even dreaming about. Paul, the same man who taught submission, said in Galatians 3.28, listen to what he said, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are one in Christ Jesus. That means at the foot of the cross, women aren't less than men. Men aren't less than women. We are all equal at the foot of the blood-stained cross. There's no race, color, or creed. No rich or poor. Nobody better than another. Nobody more valuable than another. Jesus Christ died for all human beings. And when we all face Him on that great and glorious day, nobody will be lesser than the other. We all are $20 bills. We all have the same value. It's not the husband that's a 20 and the wife a 10. We all have the same value at the foot of the cross. And the Bible says to husbands, you need to understand, husband, that you and your wife are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You share the same salvation, same blood, same covenant, same promises, same Holy Spirit, same Word of God, same Savior, and same God. One commentator said, submission is not due to her being inferior to her husband. They are both equal before God. So Jesus doesn't hear the husband's prayer more than the wives. There's no inequality with God. Submission does not mean that wives are to treat their husbands like God. 
The Bible Knowledge Commentary says this, As to the Lord, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord does not mean that a wife is to submit to her husband in the same way she submits to the Lord, but that her submission to her husband is her service rendered to the Lord. Amen. So when a wife submits to the husband and says, You're the leader. I'm going to let you lead the home. You lead us spiritually. She's not submitting to him as the Lord. He's not saying submit to your husband just like you do to the Lord. But because you love the Lord, know the Lord, and honor the Lord, then you submit to your husband in order to honor the Lord. Just like you're doing it to the Lord. For the Lord. Amen. Guys, you can understand this and put it in the context of a job. And God's got you in a job and you've got a difficult boss. He yells and screams, treats you in a way that uh, you would not treat others. Maybe he's abrasive. Maybe sometimes he's uh, unreasonable. And so you say, God, deliver me from this job. And God says, I'm going to deliver you through this job. I want you to walk with me for a while in this job. Well, but he's just not being kind or fair. And Jesus says, well, I still want to walk you through this job. Well, I can't submit to him. Here's what Jesus says. Well, can you submit to me? Well, yes, Lord, I can submit to you, and that's what I want to do. I want to submit to you as you leave me out the door. And the Lord says, no. He says, I want you to learn the key to submission. The key to submission is not to wait for somebody who is so perfect, so well put together in their character and their spiritual life that it's easy to do. No, 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 no. That's not where you're going to learn submission. You're going to learn submission when it's somebody who's not easy, and Jesus says, Learn to walk with me and learn to submit to me. And by submitting to them, you're submitting to me. And when you learn that, get it down and begin to walk in it, you'll notice that then the Lord tends to come in and change your circumstances. But he's waiting for something. He's waiting for you to learn the key to submission. And that goes over real big in our culture, let me tell you. Because we've got our rights. We're the culture of rights. I've got my right to get another job. I've got my right to go elsewhere. I've got my right to this and that and the other. But you know what? When you got saved and you came into the kingdom of God, you lost all your rights. The only right you've got is to obey the Lord. I know. Thank you for all that. I appreciate that. You have to edit that out, Steve. I know this is something you got to turn over in your noggin, but this is what it's all about in a marriage. Submission does not mean slavery. Let's dispel some myths about the word submission. Paul uses an entirely different word in Ephesians 6, 5 when he tells slaves to obey their masters. There are people who have tried to say that's the same word as when he told wives to obey their husbands. Totally different word. That is not what the word means, talking about slaves to their masters. When he uses the Greek word for slaves obey your masters, he is using a word that means a soldier saluting his commander or, or, or uh, somebody like in the army, not a wife submitting to her husband. It's totally different. You don't want when you walk in the door, sir, your wife saying and saluting you, hello, master. And if you do, I want you to come down after church and I'm going to lay enough oil on you to slide you into the next room. You need to be delivered. You don't want a wife like that. That's not a wife. (laughs) 
That is not what submit means. Now that we've seen a few things submission does not mean, what does it mean? The Greek word for submit is hupotasso. Hupa means under, and tasso means to place in order. It's a compound word. Hupa means under, tasso to place in order. So when you put hupotasso together, the Greek word from which they translated the word obey, it means to place under or in an orderly fashion. Paul did not dislike women, which is exactly what the radical feminist movement teaches, that Paul the Apostle disliked women. That's why he was single, don't you know? He's just a religious old fuddy-duddy. He doesn't understand marriage. That's what they say. Paul did not dislike women. He liked order. He advocated order in the church. If you prophesy, let it be by two, by three, and that in order. He liked order in the church, order in government, order in business, and he liked order in the home. He liked order. There is a divine order to things, folks. And when you get out of divine order, that's when things go crazy. The same Paul who wrote, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. The same one said, wives, submit to your husbands. Wait a minute, Paul, you just told me we were equal. Why are you telling me to submit? I don't understand. It sounds like you're contradicting yourself. Uh Uh-uh. Because he said, you're equal in Christ, but you've got functional differences. That's all. You're equal in Christ, but you've got functional differences. The concept of being a submissive wife is difficult for a lot of women. Let me give you two things that I think can help. One, say with me, God is good and loving. We say all the time, I can say God is good and you'll all come back. All the time. He's good and he's loving all the time. Are you ready? He would never give approval to meanness or abuse. And if your husband is being mean or abusive and says, I'm supposed to be the head of the house and he's hammering you with it, you need to tell yourself that's not the Lord. Let me tell you a true story that happened to me. When I was doing my first church, pastoring my first church in East Texas, had a family in the church that really thought that I should hire on staff one of their sons. I love the son, great guy, but I did not get a witness that it was time for him to be on church staff. I just didn't witness to it. This was a strong family with a strong patriarch and matriarch, strong dad and mom had these sons and they had their wives and children and they had a lot of money. And so I hired somebody else and I hired somebody else. One day I got a call and I got invited over to the patriarch and the matriarch's family home. Oh, praise the Lord, we're going to have a little bit of fellowship. Went over there. They sat me in one of these lazy boys that when you sit down, you have a hard time getting back up. You just kind of melt into the thing. And the wife said, now just put the little footrest up and just relax, Pastor. I said, okay. Well, in comes this dad, fuming out both ears. They wanted me in this lazy boy because I couldn't move. (laughs) And he proceeded to just dress me down. I mean, I heard things I hadn't heard since before I was saved. And why, how could you have hired that person? How could you have done that? How could you have hired that idiot and this and that and the other? And I mean, just raked me over the coals. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm in a nightmare. I didn't say anything. I just sat there when he was done. I tried struggling out of that chair. I walked towards the front door. I said, well, you know, it's been real. 
See, y'all, I walked out to my car, got in it in a stupor, and the Holy Ghost came into the car when I wasn't halfway down the road. And he said, I have one question for you. What? Was that me? Was that me? I said, no. Then you don't need to worry about it. Sometimes, church, we need to stop and say to ourselves, was that the Lord or was that flesh? Because sometimes someone will try to put something on you in the name of the Lord that is not the Lord. It's just not the Lord. But they'll try to put it on you like it is the Lord. And that's what religious people are best at. Pharisees are best at making you feel guilty and beat down and, and, and crushed and, and hopeless. And sometimes you've got to look up and say, is that the Lord? No, this is not the Jesus I see in the Bible. These are not the actions of the Lord who saved my soul. This is not the Spirit of Christ. And so that sets you free. Ladies, listen, if your husband is being mean or abusive, sometimes you need to stop and say, is this the Lord? And if it's not the Lord, then just say, Lord, I just give to you these things, but I'm not taking it on myself because Jesus does not lead by coercion or fear or abuse. He leads by love. That's a good place to say praise God. So say with me, God is good and loving. Even when he chastens us, it's out of love. Now, the second thing you don't want need to know, ladies, about this is God granted women a measure of freedom and submission. They can learn to enjoy. There is a freedom and submission you can learn to enjoy. One woman said, it's a relief to know. That as a wife and mother, I am not totally responsible for my family. I have a husband to look to for counsel and direction. I can rely on his toughness when I'm too soft and his logic when I'm too emotional. There is a freedom to submission. And hey, that freedom comes to us as believers. How, how often have you received peace from God when you were worried about something and you thought, this is not my responsibility, it's the Lord's? And so I'm just going to cast this fear onto the Lord. I'm going to roll this burden onto Him. I'm going to Psalms 55, 22 this thing. And I'm going to roll my burden onto the Lord. And you do, and all of a sudden you've got peace and the burden is gone. Why? Because you were carrying something He didn't mean for you to carry. So you gave it to the head. And when the head took it, it gave freedom and liberty. It's the same thing in a marriage. There's freedom and liberty when a woman says, hey, I'm walking around worried about things. This is not my place. I'm real happy to pass the buck. There's one last responsibility for husbands and wives based on the final phrase in Ephesians 5.31. Listen to this. The two will become one flesh. Marriage is the only place in the world where one plus one equals one and not two. Two become one. The Greek word for flesh in this passage is sarx, and it means flesh of a living creature in distinction from that of a dead one. What's God saying? The two shall become one living flesh. He didn't marry you for you to be dead. Your marriage should not be roadkill in the rearview mirror. It ought to be romance that is alive. Come on, everybody. Say with me, the two 
Try it again. The two will become one living flesh. Give God praise. That's his plan. <laughs> and I wanted to quote Beth Moore one more time since the ladies, by the way, we got 45 women have signed up for this women's Bible study and we're not done yet. We're out of books again. So I figured I'd gain some points quoting Beth Moore. So here we go. Think of marriage, she says, as a three-legged stool. The legs are a submissive wife, a loving husband, and Christ. A submissive wife, a loving, cherishing husband, and Christ. Support. Anything put on that stool. All three legs must be in place for marriage to work as God intended. A wife submitting to an unloving husband is as lopsided as a loving husband sacrificing for a domineering wife. You heard about the couple where the wife was a very domineering wife who went to the promised land. They went to the promised land for a little promised land vacation and went with their church. And lo and behold, while they were there, they'd been struggling with the whole domineering issue. And terrible upon terrible, the wife had a heart attack and, and she died in the promised land. And so the husband didn't know what to do. He called America and said, what would it take to, to send the body to America and, and, and bury her there? And they said, oh, about $5,000. And his, his guide said, well, hey, brother, you can bury her right here in Israel for $10. It's not that expensive at all. It's, it's not much at all. And the husband said, let me pray about it. And he came back and he said, you know, I think I'm going to send her to America. And the guy said, I don't understand. Ten dollars as opposed to five thousand. And she can live right here in the promised land. Why in the world would you not bury her here? He said, because I've heard that a couple of thousand years ago, a man rose from the dead here. And I can't afford that. When Christ is not the head of the marriage relationship, the stool falls. It falls. Paul pictures for us God's ideal marriage relationship. He said, as the wife submitted to the husband, the husband submitted to Christ. Therefore, as Christ leads the husband by love, by cherishing him and the wife, then the husband likewise turns to the wife and leads her by cherishing her, by loving her. And she in turn submits to that love and that cherishing. And when that ideal is there, then what you've got is a threefold cord that cannot be quickly broken. You've got the rains falling, the floods hitting that house, the wind howling, but the house doesn't fall because it was built on wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. It was built on the house or on the, on the rock called Christ and His teachings. And that's what makes for a house that doesn't fall. It's not that people have had, have had uh, irreconcilable differences by the millions and millions and millions. We've been missing that third level the Lord Jesus Christ, not just Savior of the house, but Lord of the house. And if he's Lord of the husband, Lord of the wife, and both of them are seeking him together, that's the threefold cord that cannot be quickly broken. And that's what we need. So let's stand together, can we? You know, marriage is a challenge for the, the very best of us. 
Marriage is a challenge. Nobody ever said that it would be easy. To build a home as opposed to a house is not easy. It's not easy to do. We need the third leg in that house. We need Jesus in that house. And I tell people who come to me needing marital counseling, I say, I got to know that both of you are willing to submit to Jesus. Because if one of you wants to, but the other one is being contrary, all we can do is pray for that other one and wait for them to come around because there's just so much you can do and then you can't do any more. Because it takes three, husband, wife, Christ. And that means you're going to have to give up some of your ways that brought harm and damage to the marriage. You're going to have to learn some new ways. You're going to have to receive wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. You're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to bury the hatchet for good. You're going to have to get self-imposed amnesia about some things. Well, I forgive you, so therefore, I just not going to bring it up again. Not going to bring it up again. Feelings will follow actions. Don't wait for the feelings. Marriage is not built on feelings. It's built on obedience to the third person in that marriage. If you treat one another with honor, you'll begin to see them as valuable. If you treat them like they're a pain, then they're going to look more and more like a pain to you. That's why you can't say dishonoring things in the home. You can't say dishonoring things to them. Uh, You'll pay thousands of dollars for this elsewhere. I guarantee you. Thousands. Real quick. Say, well, they're not what they used to be. Maybe they're not because you railed against them so long. Maybe. I tend to believe that if you believe the best of someone, they begin to believe the best of themselves. So you say honoring things. And you don't say negative, destructive, critical, dishonoring things in the home. Especially, not between the two of you, but don't let your kids hear anything like that. We don't know the power of words. Death and life of a marriage are in the power of words. A lot of the time, I mean, that's a lot of it. We need help with this. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So what we're going to do is we're going to have communion. I'm going to ask my my guys to come down now. and We're going to administer communion to families. And um, I'm going to ask you to take the elements back to your chair. And we're going to ask God just to bless our home. Now, y'all look up at me and let me say something. You say, Pastor Jeff, have you arrived? Not even close. But Kathy and I work on our marriage every day you have to you have to you wouldn't let your yard go and that's your yard honey there's weeds out in that yard well go pull them get weed killer and shoot them we don't want weeds in that yard but weeds will grow up all over our marriage and nobody says hey there's weeds in this marriage well you put them there 
They wouldn't be there if it wasn't for you. Well, back in 1979 when you said thus and so. And man, you got to pull the weeds in a marriage too. So, how many of you needed this today? The rest of you don't realize it yet, but you will. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, let's have communion. And uh, they're going to come out. They know how to, the ushers are going to show you how to come down. And I'm going to help serve it to you. And Mike is going to help me and over here too. Take it back to your seat and we'll all do it together. So let's do it. If you're a single, come down individually. We want to serve you. All right? Thank you, Father, for your blessing. Amen.
There you go. just bring to your mind that the first miracle Jesus did was at a wedding and that was Jesus Christ himself putting his sanction on the wedding covenant and on the wedding act and so that being his first miracle then we know his heart is for the marriage and for the home now maybe you're in a second marriage or a third marriage or beyond today you know what as soon as you said, I do, that became God's will. You can't undo that. So he's for you right where you are. He's a, he's a there God. So Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And standing next to him was not Mary Magdalene, but John. And that's a little Da Vinci Code joke. Because that's just a bunch of hogwash. It was John. And he said, he broke the bread. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat of it, do it to remember me. Well, he purchased healing for us and released healing through covenant. Not only for our bodies, but for our minds, our hearts, our marriages, everything. So let's hold it right up towards heaven. And say, Lord, today I receive the healing that you purchased for me, body, soul, and spirit. Amen. Now I want you to say, healed. I'm healed. I receive healing. Thank you, Lord. I receive healing in my now. It says, in the same manner he took the cup after supper, saying... This cup is the covenant, new covenant, written in my blood. As often as you drink it, do it to remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you testify of what I've done for you until I return. So let's just hold it up and say, Lord, thank you for the blood of Jesus that washed all my sins away. I receive forgiveness. Amen. If you'll pass your cups toward the aisle, let's sing right now about the blood as Tammy, you and Letty come up, if y'all would, and let's just sing through one more time. Oh, 
quick announcements. Monday night, June 5th, the ladies Bible study begins. This is Tammy and Letty, and they are the leaders of this Bible study. And they're going to be heading uh, up showing these videos and praying with you guys. Uh, The Patriarchs by Beth Moore. You want to hold it way up, Tammy? And there it is, what you ladies are going to be going through. We've already had really kind of shockingly 45 women turn out for this, and we're not done yet. It wouldn't surprise me if it hit 50 or 60 at all. We're getting more books this week, and um, we have only one law about this meeting. If you come Monday night, you still got to come Wednesday night. That was a joke, kind (laughs) of. Maybe I'll move Wednesday night to Monday night. All right, but that's going to be it. It's going to be great. And then... uh, Also, on Monday night, June 5th, we're beginning our Overcomers group for those struggling against addictions. Listen, I can't think of a better time to get free than yesterday. It's time to be free. And we're dealing, uh, listen, with sincere believers who have somehow gotten caught up, just made some wrong decisions and woke up and found themselves hooked on methamphetamine, hooked on crack cocaine, hooked on alcohol, addicted to several different things. Uh... We live in a culture of addiction, but I do know that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So we have dedicated this evening and this church to seeing people free. And you need this. If you, if something keeps taking you down over and over again and you're living in shame and you're living in frustration and defeat, we encourage you to come. Monday night, June 5th, it'll be downstairs. The ladies will be meeting up here. You'll meet downstairs. It'll be totally confidential. Nobody cares if you come or not. We want you free. Everybody in here has been bound to something at one time or another. So you come and get free. Monday night, June 5th, Rodney's going to be heading. Rodney, are you in here? Rodney, come on down real quick. I didn't see you there. Thank you, Tammy and Letty. Come down real quick and just let them see you. And and we're not doing a sign-up sheet for obvious reasons. But um, Rodney's going to be leading it. Rodney Rodney has dealt with... This kind of thing for the last 12 years or so, he's going to lead this class. You're going to have your own workbook.